That's right. Can't take for granted the opportunities that the Lord afford us to come together and be together. A couple of quick things I want to make note of before we get into our prayer and then into our Bible study. We have a meeting this Saturday at 5.30 p.m. Um, The reception team would like to invite all of you who are interested in being a part of the parking ministry, the greeting ministry, and the usher ministry. So if you are interested, spread the word. Let them know that if you're interested, and before they think they're not, tell them they want to come because we're going to talk about the job descriptions of each of those uh, ministries so folks will get an understanding if they feel like it's a good fit for them and if they can make it there. And so um, 5.30 this Saturday, if you can make it, that would be great. Spread the word. I'm sure there will be um, text messages and maybe even emails that will go out and remind us. So look out for those, but keep in mind, 530. Also, this Saturday is our um, monthly prayer breakfast. He came up to me and says, we're not live yet. We got this. <laughs> so this, this Saturday morning is our annual prayer breakfast, our monthly prayer breakfast, I should say. And um, we start at 8 a.m. And we are normally done by 9 um, I've got a few things going on this Saturday. I, I believe Brother Long is coming in town um, tomorrow evening, and he's going to be around Saturday for at least half the day. And then I have to go to, which I'm going to have to probably leave Brother Long. Then I'm going to have to go to um, a minister's um, event. So, and then come back here at 5:30. So this Saturday will be busy, but I'd rather be busy for Jesus than for all the other stuff. So I always thank God. I look forward to being involved with the things of the kingdom. So 5.30 this um, Saturday, if you want to be a part of usher ministry, greeters, and parking lot attendant, if you want to be a part of those ministries. And notice we have um, entitled it Reception Team Ministry. Um, And if you think about it, I talk to Brother Izzy all the time, and I hope sometimes we pay attention and realize significance and impact and, you know, things that will work for us. I tell Brother brother Izzy all the time, how people come into this service and what they experience in this service, he's got a lot to do with it. And you guys might not even think about that. You know, we just like to, you know, just think about what we think is impactful. But, man, if he doesn't keep a good attitude out there. If he doesn't care about people when they get out their car or when they're pulling in, 
they start out with a bad attitude from that point on. And when they come in here, they saying, what do you got to say? So it's very important. So if you want to have direct impact on people's life in ministry, these ministries are really good. Um, being in the parking lot and um, and if you come and hear what people do and the length of time that they spend in that particular ministry and then the greeters um, we, we talk about the greeters have to greet the folks and um, we decided we're going to get some walkie talkies see if I can sell you on walkie talkies we decide we'll get some walkie talkies so we can always communicate from the person hit the parking lot till they come inside the building we want to know what's going on with them and make sure we take care of them. And then while they're here in the service, we want to make sure as ushers, uh, we take good care of them while they're here. So those ministries are very important. So let's make sure we come out and uh, and especially we need to ramp up because um, the team that we have now will not be enough to take care of where we're going. So let's ramp those ministries up if you want to be a part. Spread the word. Also, our Christmas banquet is um, December 23rd, uh, 7 p.m., KC Prime. Um, as a, again, I said, first come, first serve. Um, $25 per person. Um, we said formal dress, um, ages 12 through 17, $15, and 11 and under, $0. So we want you to come out. First 60 people will be a part if you... Don't get signed up in the 60. You're going to have to catch it next year. Yeah, we, won't have, we won't have any videos. <laughs> won't have no videos. Won't have the tape for you to purchase. No cassette, nothing. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, I believe that's what I needed to share with you. And uh, we'll go right into our Bible study. If you would stand with me tonight. Amen. Good to see everybody. Hallelujah. The December people are in the house. December rules, whether you all like it or not. I think we have more December birthdays in this church than any other birthdays. Don't mess with that. we got how many august people we have we got a couple mays how many august we have two three august sister sharon okay all right so we got three august and three may if you're not here okay okay if you're not here how many august here tonight three august how many mays here tonight Okay. 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 You ready now? How many December here tonight? All right. Okay. All right. <laughs> no, 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 no. Jordan, watch. Look over here. Look over here. Look over here. Look over here. <laughs> look over here. Don't mess with us. And, and we're just talking about who's here. We're just talking about who's here. So, watch yourself. Why are you all trying to struggle to beat December? 
Just enjoy the good, the best month of the year is December. Enjoy it. It's the sense of, enjoy it. Hey, come on. This is the best month of the year. Enjoy it. Yes, just enjoy the December month. Yeah, there you go. We got an anniversary in December. Just enjoy it, church. Don't try to fight against it and bring up your month. Just enjoy December because everybody enjoy December. Everybody. Okay? Few of you may enjoy May. Few of you August. Few of you January. Eh, that's fine. But everybody enjoys December. Just enjoy it. Yes. Amen. Hallelujah. My goodness. Got him stirred up, Brother D. Over birthday months. <laughs> Hallelujah. And we're just teasing because I'm sure if we take another count Sunday, we're just going to blow the whole place out. This is just Bible study night. We have four Decembers. <laughs> Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you tonight for the gathering of the church, the body, your people. We're grateful, Lord, that we can come together. Enjoy your presence, worship you in the beauty of holiness, give you honor, Lord, exalt your name, declare your name, and glorify your name. Jesus, we're thankful tonight that we made it to another Thursday night Bible study. And oh my God, we look to you, who is the author and finisher of our faith, to speak to us tonight, to speak to our hearts, to help us to receive and to become doers of what you speak into our heart. Lord, we want your kingdom to come. We want your will to be done. We want your power to be revealed in this place. We want the church to be strengthened. We want clear direction, Lord God, in what you call us to do. Father, we pray that you will have your way tonight. Place me in the flow of your spirit, that I may speak as your oracle Rightly divide your word of truth, touch the hearing of each and every one of us, that we will hear what the Spirit is saying unto us, Lord. Bless us tonight. I pray that you will touch those who are sick in the body, that they will be healed, that they will be made whole. Those who are struggling in their faith, that you will strengthen them, Lord, and help them, Lord, to be strong in their faith. Lord, we look to you tonight and give you praise and honor. We thank you, Lord Jesus, and we celebrate you, O oh God, for you are our God, our King, and we worship you and we adore you. Oh God, we bless your name and we thank you tonight. All these things we pray. Somebody give them praise with a hand clap. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. We're going back to the book that we've been studying, the book of Acts. I'm going to, I think I'm on lesson seven tonight, and I'm going to finish up in lesson seven and um, table the studying of the book of Acts until sometime next year. We'll pick back up in lesson eight, and we'll continue to move forward. So we'll, we'll go along with lesson seven tonight, and then we'll move to... Uh, table, the studying of the book of Acts, since we're in the great month of December, and um, we'll move forward, and then we'll pick back up next year 
and uh, get into that. Hallelujah. Amen. The great month of December. Hallelujah. We're going to start out in Acts chapter 4, verse 32. Acts chapter 4, verse 32, and we'll read verse 32 through 37, and then we'll dig into it a little bit and see what the Lord will say to our hearts here tonight. Hallelujah. In Acts chapter 4, verse 32, the word of the Lord says, And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. Neither said any of them that ought of this, that ought of the things which he possessed was his own. But they had all things common. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. Neither was there any among them that lacked. For as many as were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the prices of the things that were sold and laid them down at the apostles' feet. And distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. And Joseph, who by the apostles was surnamed Barnabas, which is being interpreted the son of consolation, a Levite, and of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Amen. In in the studying of the book of Acts, we'll finish up in chapter 4 here tonight, but I want to entitle these passages of Scripture in finishing up our study here in chapter 4, I want to entitle it, The miraculous power of unity. The miraculous power of unity. And every word in that title is significant. It's not just something to sound nice about, but it truly is um, deliberate. The miraculous power of unity. There is, you know, when you think of the church, you think of, you know, building where we come. Um, usually only the people that's participating within the church view it as an operation, inner workings. Normally people from the outside, when they think of the church, they're just thinking building. They're just thinking where people go and worship God. They're just thinking where people clap their hands and read their Bibles. But a lot of people never stop to think about the inner workings of the church. The church is a functioning organism. And so there's always inner workings. And so we can't just think that the church is just that place that we go to. You know, I know oftentimes we say we're going to church and we know that when we say we're going to church that we're actually saying I'm going to the building to worship God for the people that are born again, the people who are the called out ones 
are the church. And so we're not going to church. We are the church. Uh, But that's just one essence of what we're talking about here tonight. We have to stop and think about the inner workings of the church. And so uh, it's it's interesting that, you know, I appreciate that every Wednesday, uh, most Wednesdays, very few Wednesdays we take off. I appreciate that Wednesday evenings from 730, hopefully till 830. We know sometimes it goes longer. Very few times it goes shorter. But our leaders, the leaders of this church, we we meet and we talk about the inner workings of the church. And so it's important that we share with one another. And I encourage them to share their their thoughts. I, I don't want to uh, lead a church where uh, we, we we're not um, sharing because God gives all of us different ideas. God uses us according to the gifts and talents that he gives us. And so God will put a thought in you according to how you work mentally, your makeup. And so God will give you a thought to say, share this. You know, poor Ethan, he always have ideas and he knows how I operate by now. If you come up with a real good idea, guess who's going to have to execute that idea? All right. And I'm, I think I'm in the Bible. I think, I think that's very biblical in case you want to know why I do that. I think it's smart, but I also know it's Bible because I remember when Joseph came up with this great idea how to, you know, overcome the famine. And he, you know, he told Pharaoh how it's going to all work and how great, you know, he had the dream because God gave it to him because he was God's man. And so he had the dream. And so here we go. And, and Joseph lined out Jacob, Joseph lined out this great plan as to how to overcome the famine. And when it was all said and done, Pharaoh said, can we find any man that's greater than Joseph to, to execute the plan? So when you come up with good ideas, it's yours. And But don't let that keep you quiet. I got to challenge you all like that. So they know just that because I'm like that, you all are holding back on ideas. Don't, don't hold back on ideas because you know I'm going to say, well... You know, since you have this great idea, you need to go ahead and execute it. Don't, don't hold back on that. Sometimes God wants you to bring it up. It may be an occasion where you get the idea and God will give someone the burden to go ahead and, you know, carry it out. So don't be afraid. Don't be shy. Share your ideas on Wednesday evening leadership meeting. But there's inner workings of the church. And so it's not just we show up at the building and things go on. There's constant planning and plan and and constant you know ideas put forth that we have to implement the final verse of chapter four provide a glimpse into the inner workings of the early church you want to know how the church operate study the book of acts you want to know if your church is 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 the church that god has set forth from the very beginning study the book of acts and see what transpired in the book of Acts and see if some of those things are transpiring in your church. The first century Christians enjoyed a sense of closeness. Somebody say closeness. And unity that caused the world to sit up and take notice. There's Sometimes we make things a little bit bigger than they really need to be. And what I'm saying is, I believe 
that there are little things that God told us to do that we're not doing. And we're trying to figure out why isn't the church as powerful and effective like it needs to be. And there's a scripture there. There's a thought that I just gave you that the early church, they were close. They were unified to the point where the rest of the world had to take notice of them. Why? Because they were exhibiting something that the rest of the world doesn't. I cannot say this enough that the church cannot look similar to the people of the world. Come on, amen. It's for so many reasons. But remember, the Lord Jesus Christ died for everyone, and it's, it's his will that all is saved. And the only way we're going to have a chance of saving all people is when people that are not of the faith can look at the people of the faith and realize, now that's different, and that seems to be working, and that seems to be blessings. And so I need to be a part of that. If people are not looking at the church and saying, I need to be a part of that, then we must be looking a lot like them. And in their mind, what's the sense of going to church? What's the sense of being a part of the church? They don't seem to be doing anything different from us. So we are missing it in that area. And we might not have given that a whole lot of thought that that we need to have a closeness that the world doesn't have. We need to be together like the world is not together, especially in this day and age. I know that the world was always separate. They always did their own thing. But today, that is more so now than it's ever been. And if the church will be unified, if the church will be close, then the world will have to look at us and say, my goodness, that's different. We want people to look at us and say, that's different. Not because we're trying to do anything to say, look at us, but we want people to be saved. Jesus Christ died so people can be saved. And the, the opportunity that they can get, they have to see a reason for trying the church. We don't want to look into it like that. They need to see why they need to try the church. Why should I go to church? Why should I try to church? They need to see it, and part of what they need to see is a closeness with among us and a unity that we have. And so they did that. The, the early church had that, and so the world took notice of that. Those outside the church took notice how believers cared for one another and shared with one another in an extravagant way. Are we caring for one another and sharing for, with one another in an extravagant way? It's one thing to talk about loving one another. It's quite another to sell one another's or to sell one's valuable possession and give the proceeds to those that are less fortunate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Listen, I'm not against nice things. As a matter of fact, I teach that nice things last longer than things that's not nice. Come on now. Nice things last longer usually. It's always exceptions to the rule, but let's not deal with the exceptions. Let's deal with the rule. And normally nice things, they hold up longer than not so nice things. 
So it's okay to like nice things. What we have to guard against is abundance. Not telling you not to have nice things. I'm saying guard against abundance. And if you start to acquire abundance of things, you probably want to start thinking that maybe I need to do something other than just keeping this to myself. Uh, Warren Buffett, one time I heard him being interviewed, and they said to Warren Buffett, you know he's loaded, right? And they said to Warren Buffett, so how many cars you have? Warren Buffett said, how many cars can I drive at a time? So that's a practical thought behind not having abundance because we don't need abundance. We, we can have nice things, but we don't need abundance of it. And if we will be honest, we do have abundance. Many of us have abundance of nice things. Mm-hmm. I don't need to pick on the ladies, but I'm going to pick on the ladies. And I'm just going to do something simple. How many pocketbooks can you carry at at a time? How many pocketbooks can you carry at a time? Get a a couple nice ones and just one for every day and one for when you dress up. You just need two. That's a good question. So my wife said, how many shoes can you can you wear because I have a shoe problem it's not easy to get rid of shoes that you've already worn I'm still going to declare that pocketbooks are more luxurious than shoes. I think all of us have a lot of shoes. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, but I have abundance. I need to do something about that. I can't lie. I told y'all pulpit make you tell the truth. You can't can't tell a lie from the pulpit. God will whoop you. So I I got a lot of shoes. That's abundance. I think I got abundance. I got a little shoe problem. I don't know what that's all about. Don't know what that's about. I'm trying to figure it out. Every time I see a nice pair of shoes, and I order from this specific place, they make nice shoes. And every time they come out with something, I say, hmm, yeah. Because, you know, when you get to a certain age, you just deal with people that know your that that, you know, they, they make their brand and it fits you. You know, how it fit. I feel bad for some of you all that's trying to try new brands. And then, you know, you get it in the mail and then you realize this don't fit like it's supposed to. Yeah, I just stick with a couple of places that I know, because when it comes, it fits just the way it's supposed to fit. But, yeah, I need pray for me about the shoe stuff. I need to do something about it. No, I'm not doing that. Not praying for the ladies about the pocketbook. No. I just, I think there's something different there. And maybe I don't know what it is yet, but I know it's something different there. Pocketbooks and shoes, I think there's something different there. I really do. But, but you know, I'm leaving that alone. Because, you know, 
shoes, you can you can you can buy a different pair of shoes because you're saying that pair is not comfortable. Sometimes I don't have the answer when you're talking to me, but I know what I'm saying is makes still make a little bit of sense. Shoes are necessary more than pocketbooks. So don't, don't tell me about no. Okay, all right. I'll let you all believe what you want. <laughs> all you need is two pocketbooks. That's all you need. Two pocketbooks. Two. No, no. Well, that's what they're doing. That's what they're doing. I'm just saying, my, you know, I realize some days that, man, so when I go into Philadelphia, I realize I can't wear all my shoes. There are certain shoes I can't wear because I walk from the train station up into the building that I go to, and I step. I don't walk slow. And so there are some shoes I realize, mm, nah, nah, can't wear that back. I, I'm, I'm narrowing down the shoes. As a matter of fact, these shoes that I have on tonight, I can wear them to work. These are comfortable, and they're going, too. And I'm, like, shaking my head. I can't find them no place else because these are good shoes, and they're comfortable, and I can walk hard in these, and um, I can't find them anymore. I'm going to have to scan them and do something. Try to, you know, I got to find them. No, I know where I get these from. I know where they come from. They just don't have any more. All right, let me get back to my lesson. Those outside the church took notice how believers care for one another and share with one another in extravagant ways. We need to share with one another in extravagant ways. Ah. It's one thing to talk about loving each other. It's quite another to sell one's valuable possession and give the proceeds to those less fortunate or just to those in need. Yet... That kind of generosity was common in the early church. And that kind of selflessness is the essence of true fellowship. True fellowship in its purest form invites sharing. True fellowship in its purest form invites sharing. So if it just, remember I told you, you can't fellowship with someone that's not like you. Y'all missed that, y'all missed that lesson. I, I talked about that before. So when you hear fellowship, when the Bible talks about fellowship, it's talking about people that have things in common. You can't fellowship with someone that you don't have things in common with. This is why the Bible talks about being unequally yoked. So that's something that we've missed, that we're, we're thinking that we're fellowshipping. Now, it's one thing to say, I invite someone out to dinner with me or invite them over my house, and, and, and you know you're trying to be a witness, but that's not fellowship. So get it right. Don't think that's fellowship because you're eating with them. No, you're just having a meal with them. Fellowship is when you're sharing, exchanging ideas and thoughts. And because you're, 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 you're similar in thought and you are the same kind of uh, people of God, you can share. And so it starts with sharing of ideas and thoughts, the word of God, and then it goes down to sharing your material things. So you can only have fellowship, and sh when you do have fellowship, you have to share. You can't just say, I have fellowship, and there were no sharing going on. 
So fellowship in its purest form invites sharing. The church's spiritual unity, meaning all the believers were of one heart and one mind, prompted this material generosity. When we are unified, when we are together, it's nothing for us to make sure we take care of each other. Whoever has need, we make sure they get taken care of. I've always said this, and I know that we haven't experienced it yet, but I know we're getting ready to experience it. The Lord don't allow us to hear something just to hear it. It means if we have not already experienced it, we're going to experience it. And so this church has been great with taking care of one another. I don't think there's anybody in this church that ever lacked and we never made sure they had. And if we know you lack in this church, you know you got it. There's no way this church is going to let you have lack and we don't take care of you. You know we've been good at that. Now what's going to be our challenge is we're going to explode when we move and we're going to see a lot more people that have need. This is why we're probably talking about this tonight. We're going to see a whole lot more people with need and us with our abundance need to start thinking, what can I begin to assess that is abundance in my home, abundance that I own, because the time may be coming where I'm going to have to give up some of this abundant stuff. No one was required to contribute to the needs of others. This communal purse was voluntarily it was voluntary and so people sold material things brought the money into the church and says whoever have need take care of them whoever have need take care of them yet the believers willingly shared everything they had not holding tightly to possessions for they felt that what they owned was not really their own what does Psalm 24 and 1 says? Mm-hmm. The fullness thereof, the world, and they that dwell therein. So God owns everything. So whatever you have that's really yours is really not yours. If we're really going to be true to the game and living for God and being a Christian, whatever we have aren't really ours. And then if you really want to get deep into it, when you die, it ain't yours for sure. I mean, you want to get technical. You die, and whatever you had when you're gone, other people take it, they give it away, or they sell it. That's what happens when you leave. You can't do nothing with it. Can't take it with you. So how about we just take control of our lives as Christians and just know, I'm not going to live in abundance. I'm going to always be looking where I can give. So either I give that material thing because that person have need of that material thing or I figure out how I can get money for it. We got a lot of thrift stores now and a lot of consignment shop and a lot of boutiques and stuff like that, that you got so many nice things that you can take a few of them and says, hey, how much you going to give me for this? And you get that money. <laughs> Listen, I know about those things, not because it's me. I thought about my oldest son. He know all about that stuff. I'm not going to put his business out there, but he knows about that stuff. He knows where the boutiques are, where you can take some stuff for them. And they say, oh, I'll give you a few dollars for that. And then you got to be mad because you know what you paid for it and you know what they're giving you for it. But if you're, if you're doing that to give the money to somebody, what does it matter? 
just give it up, get the money, and go give to somebody to help somebody out. Mm -hmm. Differences of opinion are inevitable in the church. There's always going to be difference of opinion in human personalities and can actually be helpful if we handle it well. I look forward to that on Wednesday night. Um, I don't know if, 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 if you know, but when we're talking and we're meeting on Wednesdays, I like to hear everybody because I like to listen to just, I don't know if you do this, but how we communicate says a little bit about how we think. Ooh, you didn't know that. So preachers, good preachers, like to listen to other good preachers because you get to hear how they think. So this is why five preachers can preach from the same text and you can hear five different messages. Because the way how they are wired, God will speak to them. I got a great message for Sunday. My goodness. The way how they are wired, God speaks to them in that way. And as you know, God's word is so multifaceted that five people can preach from the same scripture and you can get a different idea out of every person. So when you hear a preacher preach, another preacher listening to that preacher is saying, let me listen to how he thinks. That's how preachers listen to preachers. Let me hear how he thinks, right? And so it's the same thing, though, with everyone else. When someone is communicating, you're listening to say, let me hear how they think. And so that's why I welcome conversations all the time. That's why I'm always listening, because as a man thinketh, okay, so you can't hide it. You can try to think you're hiding but how you communicate it, how you think. <laughs> Y'all going to get quiet now? Stop talking? <laughs> but there's always differences in opinions because we have different personalities. And in those differences of opinion, the personalities, we can, we can, we can be great with that. God wants us to be diverse, but we need to be organized. We need to be unified. We need to be together in loving one another for that to work well in the body. Spiritual unity is essential. So no matter what the differences are as far as our opinions and personality types, we still have to make sure spiritually we are unified. We cannot be disunified. We must be unified in every way in this church. I am not. If I ever have to tell you no, if I ever have to say not right now, whatever I have to say, I want you to realize, church, and hopefully you know that by now because you're, you're realizing my thinking. I want you to know that how I answer your questions, how I give directions is never about anything personal. If, if, if you haven't realized it by now, I'll tell you this. And, and I had an elder um, co-sign it um, some, when Brother Kuhn was here. He co-signed it. But my, my loyalty is to the kingdom of God. Never forget that. 
I don't know what you may think of me. I don't know, you know, what goes on in your mind when I respond to your questions or what I'm saying to you. But always remember, and you will prove it out if you stick around long enough, you'll know. My loyalty is to the kingdom of God. My loyalty is to him, God Almighty. And so when I answer questions or I give instructions, if you want to know where it's coming from, my loyalty to the kingdom of God. It's not coming from any place else. It's only coming from the loyalty that I have for the Lord and what he wants me to do. So it's great to have diversity. God wants us to be diverse. He created us diverse. And so if we will make sure we're unified and together, then we will realize how beautiful diversity really is. Without spiritual unity, the church will not thrive. Without spiritual unity, the church will not thrive. The early church was able to share possessions and property as a result of the unity brought by the Holy Spirit working in and through the believer's life. If we're functioning in the Holy Ghost, we'll be all right. If we're functioning in the Holy Ghost, we will be all right. I can't remember the man of God that 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 says if it's of God, nobody can stop it. But if it's not of God, it will come to naught. And and again, when your loyalty is to the kingdom, you don't get worked up when your idea is not chosen. You don't get upset when your idea wasn't the thing that everyone wanted, you know, that everyone says, yeah, let's implement that. Because, you know, if I really receive that idea from the Lord sooner or later, it will be implemented someplace, some way, somehow, if that came from the Lord. If it didn't come from the Lord, then it doesn't matter. And let's move forward. But if it's of God, nothing can stop it. Nothing can stop it. Mm-hmm. This way of living, we're talking about it in the early church, the book of Acts. This way of living is different from communism. <laughs> Because sharing was voluntarily. Communism, they tell you, uh, we're going to treat everybody equal. We, you know, everything is in one pot. We share it out, you know, make sure we distribute it, everybody have. But you don't have a choice. In the kingdom of God, you have a choice. You don't have to. God is not making you. But if you fall in love with God and you want to be unified with the body of Christ, then you will voluntarily give what you can to see the body prosperous the spiritual unity and generosity of these early believers attracted others to them we want people to look at the church us and say they have something i don't have i can't lie to you i i really feel strongly about that as a christian i feel strongly and those of you that know me for a long time i've been saying this for a long time if when i got saved i was on welfare I shouldn't be, after a while, living for God, still on welfare. Because then people are going to say, man, what kind of God you serve? He keeping you on welfare? You're making God look bad. And God's, God's will is to reach everybody. And, if, and, and, if, and God wants them to see the difference when you live for him and when you serve him, that you will be blessed and prosperous. God don't want people to look at you and say, that boy ain't never changed. He went to church and he's still the same. If that's the case, then you making God look bad. And then other people don't see the necessity of going to church. 
They just figure I just keep grinding on my own. But if we will live this life the way Christ said we need to live it, we will really show the world there's a difference between the church and the world. We can't be so quick to adopt the principles that the world come up with and think, well, there's nothing wrong with this. No, you don't want to do that because we're trying to reach the world. The more you become like the world, the less effect and impact you will have in reaching them. I say it all the time. You guys hear me say it all the time that this is just a little bit of insight to know what impact we can have. Why is the world obsessed with the uh, the, the English, um, the, the, the kings and queens over in England, the, the royal family? Why is the world obsessed with the royal family? That's it. That's all it is. They're so different than the world, the rest of the world, that everybody wants to know what's going on. What are they doing? Why do they do that? Man, the church could be that way. The church needs to be that way, where people are looking in and says, why do they do that? What are they doing? What's going on with them? And if we live it right, they will be inquisitive enough to say, I'm going to be a part of the church because they're just different. They're doing something else better than what we're doing. When I go to the barbershop, they have, um, I see every once in a while, I was there um, the other day, and um, a young guy was talking to another guy. They're both, um, one, the young, one young guy said he just opened up a Baptist church in West Trenton. Other guy is the assistant pastor, the church up in Somerset um, that Buster Suarez used to pastor, and they're there talking, and, um, and, um, one of the barbers said, hold on, that's the real reverend over there. What y'all talking about over there? Y'all not including him? Because if you live the life that you're supposed to live, people know right away, now nah, that's different. That's different right there. I hear a lot of people say they're preachers. I hear a lot of people say this. This is how the barbers are singing in there. I hear a lot of people saying this, but I'm looking at that, and I'm looking at that, and I'm seeing a difference. But if I try to be like everybody else, then I'm just like everybody else. And so if everybody else kind of crook and hook, then I might not see you crooking and hooking, Wayne, but you're crooking and hooking. I'm just going to assume you're crooking and hooked too. I just haven't seen it. But if you live that life the way Christ said to live it, then people will see the difference and know there's a difference. There's a difference. Sharing will get the attention of the unchurch. Loving one another will get the attention of the unchurch. Being unified as a body will get the attention of the unchurch. As true believers, we need to share. As true believers, we need to be together and unified, and we need to make sure that if we see our brothers and sisters in need, we need to take care of them. There's a person in our church um, so if you want something, you want the church to do something, um, I meet with the, uh, church board and I say, board, someone needs assistance. They need help and everything like that. And board is always gracious. 
right, let's try to help him. Blah, 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 blah. But I remember there was someone that needed help in the church. I went to the board and board, we need to help someone. And one person on the board says, Yeah, we need to help them. But there's something that, that that's that's probably not really good in that situation. The one person on the board says, as a matter of fact, I'm going to take my money and I'm going to go help that person out. However, I'm going to have to find out if there's some kind of financial problem they have. And I'm going to have to find out if they don't know how to handle their money because, you know, there's something wrong. And I really appreciated that because we want to help, but you got to make sure you're willing to grow and become mature and get your life together and not just always just waiting for someone to hand out to you. Because if, if we have to always hand out something to you, you know what it means? You ain't living right. If we always got to do it, not living right. Now, I'm not telling you that we all don't fall on hard times. I'm just saying if we always have to do it with the same person, something is wrong. And so we've got good people on the board, good, 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 good person to say, if they spot the problem and they think, eh, that's happened too many times, or that's just seen as, that person will make sure they go and do the investigation. And I appreciate that because while we want to love and we want to share and we want to encourage and we want to give to each other, if you are not doing right, we can't just keep on giving it to you. Because there are other people that really, truly might need the help and we need to go. It's no different than the gospel. Right? If we're preaching and teaching and sharing the gospel, but you're never changing, at some point in time, we have to just say, you know what? Let me go and teach somebody. Let me go and preach to somebody who will listen, who will hear, who will respond in obedience and do something with it. That's important. We have to grow from it. When, when people help us, when people give to us, it's important that we say, you know what? I got to do everything to, 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 to be better next time and to grow from this and to look to the Lord to help me to be in a better position next time. We can't just remain in the same position and say, well, God will help us because my church is a good church. <laughs> my church good, so, so I don't care if, you know, hard times hit, I'll be all right. I, I'm just throwing it out that we've got a good church board and they will ask question. Didn't we do this about two or three times already? What's going on? And then, and then I got to say, well, you may have a point here. <laughs> when we have those meetings, I just put the I just put the information out and let the, the board just have their discussion. And then we take a vote. That's kind of how we do it. We just have the discussion. Everybody say their piece and. You know, the board take a vote and we go from there. But we are always willing to help. We just will not throw the money away or throw away anything good that we can help you with if you're just just eating it up. As the outside world saw the believers generosity with one another, their care for the needy and their powerful witness, they were drawn to the Lord Jesus. I guess I'm saying all of this tonight, church, because I'm trying to get you to understand how we will draw people to Christ. In case I'm, if I'm not clear, I'm saying all of this to say how we will draw people to Christ. 
And a lot of it, we just think that because we are filled with the Holy Ghost, we got the power of God because we know there's only one God. And because we know that there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved because we talk in tongues, because we know how to worship, because we know how to witness, because we know the word of God real good. We think that's all it takes. But we have to realize people have to look at our church individually and collectively and say they're different. They're godly people. I can see God working in their life. I can see God in, in, in the presence of their services. I can see God working in their life. And, and then maybe some people that you have known a long time and they can say, I remember that person used to be this way. I remember that they used to be in this kind of situation and look at them now. That's how we need to live so we can impact our world. Jesus is coming back. And if we're going to make a difference, we're going to have to live the way Christ said we need to live. In James, I'm finishing up. In James 2 and 15, the Bible says, If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, And one of you say unto them, depart in peace, be warm and filled, notwithstanding you give them not those things which are needful to the body. What does it profit? So it's one thing to be praying, praying, praying and be holy and be, you know, encouraging the people. But at some point in time, you got to put some works in it. You got to put some action in it. You got to do something because they need a tangible things. And sometimes you're praying God bless them and God is saying, I'm going to use you to be the blessing. God, I want you to provide for them. And God says, yeah, and I'm going to use you to be the provider. I'm the God that's going to send you because I blessed you. So you need to go and be the blesser of them. Yes, I'm providing, but you will go. So just don't think prayer is good enough. We pray and God answers. And the answer is, now you go. We, we, we want to think the answer is God going to send some strange person that they don't know. No, God is sending you sometimes. As a matter of fact, I feel like I'm hearing from the Holy Ghost that you've been praying for something and praying for something. And God is saying, I'm trying to get you to go to be the blessing and you won't listen. I need you to be the blessing, not somebody else. We talked about the other day that, I don't know if you remember me saying it, but if you missed it this past Sunday, we said grace is the manifested presence of God that when he comes, he will, he will, he will reveal himself to us. And that's grace. Yes, we said grace is the unmerited favor of God, but it first start with God's presence coming to you because none of us deserve to experience the presence of God, not as sinful as we've been, but God still reveal himself and come and experience, reveal his presence to us. And so we say when God reveal his presence to us, that's a form of grace. And the Bible says in so many instances that God has told his servant, I will be with you. When God says, I will be with you, you don't need nothing else. 
When God says, I will be with you, you don't need nothing else. Why am I telling you that? Because what I feel in my spirit tonight is that you've been praying and God want to send you and he's trying to send you and you won't go. And what I want to encourage you to let you know, you don't need to be uh, someone that have all the ability and be a certain kind of person that you think you should be. No, God is telling me to tell you he is with you. And if he's with you, you don't need to be anything else. You don't need to be the greatest this. You don't need to be the most educated this. You don't need to have this kind of ability. He says, if I'm with you, that's all you need. Stop praying about the situation and go and do what I want you to do. Hear the word of the Lord. Hear the word of the Lord. He just wants you to go. Because sometimes we're praying and waiting and thinking, God, why aren't you showing up? And God is saying, because I'm sending you and you won't go. Don't let the Lord have to do you like he did Moses. It gets, Moses got so crazy, the Lord had to use Aaron to be his mouthpiece. My goodness, that was something. God was pulling teeth. But God is so good to us that because that was the plan, he kept his plan. Moses made all these excuses and God finally said, all right, there go your brother, Aaron. I'll just let him talk. You show up, let him talk. So God never changed the plan, but God had to use Moses' brother to speak because Moses had all these excuses. Don't be like Moses. You know, we read the Bible, we think about all these great men, and we never realize that they're humans like us, and they have flaws. Just Some of, some of them have flaws worse than your flaws. And you, you don't think about those things. You just think, oh, they're in the Bible, so, you know, man, the man of God. You a woman of God, you a man of God, that your flaws is not like some of these other men. Noah got drunk. Since I got saved, I never got drunk. So, but I'm just showing you that we're all men and women of God with flaws. They're different, but we all got flaws. So don't just think that because of your flaws, there's a big problem there. No, we all got them. The ones you read about, they had them. Oh, you, you don't sound like you believe that. <laughs> oh, my goodness. You don't sound like you believe that. You don't believe that? That all of these people we read about, they had a lot of flaws? Okay. So we all got flaws. So let's just be comfortable with that, that when God send us, you don't have to be great. God is with you. First John 3 and 16. First John 3 and 16. Hereby perceive we the love of God. Because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoso had this world's good, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? So this now, God took it deeper, that not only are we supposed to be unified together, and sharing with one another. But he says, if you say you love, this should not be hard for you to do. You should just be doing it because you love me and you love the body, the brethren. You love. And because of your love, you should do that. All right, let me close this up and finish up here. In Acts chapter 4, verse 36, at the ending of the text that we read when we started out, it says, and Joseph, or Joseph, who by the apostles was surnamed Barnabas, 
which is being interpreted the son of consolation, a Levite, and of the country of Cyprus. I'm going to ask um, my peoples at KC Prime if they know Barnabas. Or did their grand, great-great-grandfather know Barnabas? <laughs> Having land, sold it, and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. This is interesting. The church needs to be the church. Not just in word only, but in deeds as well. And so, we're probably the greatest prayer warriors in the world. Apostolics, nobody can pray like us. No. Don't even come close. I mean, don't even come close. If we hear anybody outside of apostolic faith pray like us, we're like, who is that? Because we just know nobody prays like us. Nobody can preach and teach and know the word of God like us apostolics. But I don't think we're the best at sharing. I don't think we're the best in unity. I don't think we're the best in togetherness. And I think we can work on those things. Counting all things lost for Christ, losing our life to find it. The church, as well as the individuals in the church, is richest and happiest when it reckons its whole self as devoted to the work of helping others. What we are doing when we say we're part of the church is we're serving others. Yes, we're serving God, but as I like to say, you're not waiting on God. God is not sitting at your table and you're waiting on him. God is sitting on his throne. You're not waiting on him physically, but you are waiting on him spiritually. And how we wait on God, we serve others. There's no way we will be able to stand as Christians if we don't realize that we're in the people's business and we serve one another. <laughs> the true law of Christ's kingdom is not each one for himself and by himself, but all faithful to the vocation of the church. The church is the body of Christ. We've been set in the body according to his purpose and his will, and so we're in the body to advance his kingdom and to do his will, and that requires us serving. Barnabas was a rich man and probably a highly educated man. But he did not set up a church for himself. He recognized Christ's rule. He wanted Christ to have rule over him. He wanted to be sub submitted to someone. He was willing to be a servant that he might fulfill his ministry of consolation to the world. And so he was immediately recognized by those who represented the master and which were the apostles. Barnabas was called the son of consolation. He was a man. As a matter of fact, a lot of people don't know. If it wasn't for Barnabas, we don't know where Paul would be today. Because those apostles was skeptical of Paul. We don't know about you, dude. You were persecuting Christians, and we don't know about you. 
And, and because Barnabas had a great reputation, they, was, they listened to what Barnabas had to say. He's the son of consolation. He has empathy. He wanted to serve. And I feel like uh, Barnabas represents just the embodiment of what the church is supposed to be. Giving, serving, having empathy, uh, working with each other, being together. That's what the church should be about. We will experience the miraculous power of God when we become unified. If you go back to uh, Psalms 133, it talks about how good and pleasant it is for brethren, brethren to dwell together in unity. For there commanded he the blessings. So somehow when we become unified and start to do the will of God, the Bible says the Lord commands the, ble- commands the blessings. So when we come together and we do what the church is supposed to do, God will command the blessings. And so even when, here's something very interesting for you. So even when you think that if you give up a whole lot of them pocketbooks, Sister message, yeah, before we go, and you think, man, I spent a lot of money for this. Because you are, we are doing this together in unity and doing the work of God, you're going to find yourself abundantly blessed financially. Get all the pocketbooks you want. So you don't have to worry about God. God says you will not outgive him. God says he will owe no man nothing. And as a matter of fact, secret, church, secret. When you become a giver and a blesser, you start to get abundance. And guess what? If you're busy for Christ, you can't even just indulge in a whole lot of stuff because you are so busy doing the work of God. So you can have abundance and and, and don't have time financial abundance and don't have time to do anything with it because you're busy for Christ. Somebody just says, give me that kind of financial abundance. <laughs> I don't know. Hey, listen, you, you, you want to live for God? You want to you stay in the church? Be careful because God knows who he can trust with a whole lot and who, can, who he can't trust with a whole lot. And the Lord knows that. And he knows for some of us, if we get a whole lot, we're going to fall all the way back. We're going to fall all the way back. He says, so I, I wish I can give you more. I wish I can give you more abundance, but mm, can't do it with you because you're just going to get yourself tangled up in a mess. Amen. Somebody say thank you, Jesus. The book of Acts, we're going to give it a rest until next year, and we'll teach on some di- different lessons because we're in the greatest month of the year, and a lot of things go on during this month that we want to talk about. And so we'll give the book of Acts a rest until next year, and we'll talk about the greatest month because we know that we celebrate the Savior being born this month. <laughs> Let's stand. Anybody been watching World Cup? Let me tell you something. I don't know if I'm getting old. Um, I think I think Mr. Um, Paul Brantley said I'm getting old, and and I I. I I tear up. I don't bawl. I tear up about a lot of things now. I'm like, I must be getting old. I am. Okay. And so when I watch the World Cup, I get teared up for little stuff. Today, I watch the Japanese win, and I'm watching them, and I love people, man. I really love people. And I watch the Japanese one, and they were so excited that people are crying, and I'm looking at my little tear. I'm like, what's wrong with me? I just love to see people happy. 
I look around, I see, and then I watch how we're just so crazy because we're just all humans. And, and I don't know why we have these differences, you know, as far as going against one another. Because when you look around the world, people are just people. Nobody is any better off. Nobody is different. We're all people. And I'm looking and I'm seeing the Middle Eastern people. I'm seeing, you know, the Northern um, Europe. And I'm watching everybody. And I'm just watching them play this game that they have so much joy to play. And they put so much energy into it. And I'm just watching how they all just love this thing. And I'm just like, I just love this. Because I'm watching the world enjoy themselves. To me, that's what I see as I'm watching these soccer matches. I'm watching the world just enjoying themselves and seeing that we have something in common. In this sport of soccer, it is the most popular sport in the world, not basketball, not football. It's soccer, well, football. And so I just, I just enjoy it. It's more than just them kicking a the ball and scoring goals. I'm just watching how all these different culture of people are just enjoying themselves because of the game they love. And it just it just blessed me when I watch. I'm just looking at. I'm just like, wow, look at that. The other day they showed. I don't know if it was Korea or it was um, um, Japan. Brother Henry would know that after the game, some people from their country stayed back and cleaned out the stands. Man, we're, it was Japanese, right? That that, that that was great that they won. It, it just, it, that was just right on right on point that they won today. But it's just I'm just looking at all of this. I'm looking at people. It's not so much just the game. It's just everything that it encompasses and people being together. And these stadiums are packed, 40,000, 60,000, and they're just having a good time. And I just thank God for just being a part of the human race, man. It's, it's just, it just come down to that. I thank God for being a part of the human race. I love people. And I thank God that he put this love in my heart. And if we have the Holy Ghost, we should have this love in our heart. Because the Bible says it's the love of God that is shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Ghost. And if we have the Holy Ghost, we can have this love for people. And for me, man, it doesn't matter the nationality, the culture, doesn't matter what the history of the people are. I don't care. I love people because I realize at the core of every individual, they're a soul. They are who God created. They're a soul. And so you can't get me to be turned off from anybody. I love people. And I thank God for just that kind of thing. We, we don't always understand sometimes the things we need to thank God for. And to find yourself loving people, man, oh, my goodness. I'm like, God, because I just remember when I was younger, you know, you pick and choose who you really cared about. And now living for God, I don't pick and choose who I love and care about. I love and care about everybody. I thank God for that. Let's go before the Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you. We're, we thank you for your word tonight. We thank you for just allowing us to come together one more time and just look into your word and allow your word to speak to us, Lord God. Father, I pray that all of what we spoke in the atmosphere tonight, Lord God, will take hold of us. Lord God, it will grow in us and produce good fruit, Lord God. I pray, Father, that you abide this congregation closer together, that we will be unified, that we will become one people, Lord God, and that the love of God will be shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Ghost. 
and that we will truly, oh God, make a difference. That when the world sees us, they will see the people of God. They will see love. They will see sharing. They will see, oh God, caring. They will see, Lord Jesus, that we genuinely love and care about each other, Lord. I thank you for your word. I thank you for what you're doing in this church. I thank you, Lord God, for blessing us. You have provided for us, Lord God. And Lord, I pray that there will be a spirit of giving that will continue to reign in our souls, Lord God, that we will make sure no one, Lord God, have need in this church, that we will, oh God, be a blessing one to another, that we will fill the need, Lord God, and that not only in this church will we provide for the needy, but Lord, outside of the church, Lord God, those that are in need, Lord God, use us, oh God, to be a blessing to them. Use us, almighty God, to give to them, that they will come to a place of realizing that it was the blessings of God and that we were only instruments and conduits that you used to bless them, Lord God. Father, I pray that your glory will fill this church and your power will reign supremely in our lives, almighty God. As we go from this place tonight, let your will be done, let your kingdom come, and let your purpose, Lord God, be fulfilled in every one of us. We are your church, Lord. We are your people, and we call by your name, Lord God, to fulfill your will. Have your way tonight, Lord God. We look to you, O great King. We look to you, O great King, that, Lord, as we unify ourselves, we will experience the great power and miracle of God. In the name of Jesus, have your way, Father. Have your way, O great God, as we look to you, the author and finisher of our faith. We give you praise. We give you praise. We thank you, Lord. We bless your name. You're so good to us, Lord. You're so good to us, Lord. Better to us than we can ever be to ourselves. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Glory, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. God bless your church. Give to the building fund tonight. In Jesus' name.